So if you read any most science books that are not you know, Christian science books on biology and whatnot, uh, they'll talk about animals, even um, some of the books that you might have on your coffee table that have you know, lots of sea creatures or animals in them. Um, they'll say this creature uh, evolved a certain fin or developed over time a certain uh, structure of the eye. That's, that's the claims of, of evolution. Uh, the Genesis account completely rules those claims out. God made each of these creatures according to their kinds. Twice it is said that. According to their kinds. According to its kind. And so God determines the distinctions between the different types of birds and the different types of fish. Uh, we should also appreciate that the totality of flying birds and swimming creatures is included on this day, on day five. God created every living creature that moves, that which, with which the waters swarm. Every creature in the sea God created on day five, and every winged bird God created on day five. Every color, shape, and size, and all the behaviors of the fish and other sea creatures and the birds of the heavens are intentionally designed and determined by God for his glory. They are not happenstance. They are not random. Each creature intentionally designed and developed by God in his infinite wisdom to reveal something of his glory. Uh, the kind of uh, great fish, for example, that swallowed Jonah was created on this day. The kind of dove that was sent out by Noah after the flood. And that dove brought back an olive leaf at that time. That, that kind of dove was made here. The kinds of ravens that fed Elijah were created on this day. Every living creature, every winged bird God created for his glory. Uh, <clears throat> so that man might praise him uh, when they see these things. We'll stop there for a moment. Any questions or thoughts on that? Anybody got a favorite bird? No? Yeah? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah? Buzzard? Okay. Vulture? Yeah, I like vultures. Uh, they're, uh, they're, the, they're the custodians of nature, right? Um, they're, uh, vultures are quite spectacular if you think about it. They're very big. They have huge wingspans. Uh, so, yeah. Rich? Painted bunting. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Do we have those in Texas? We do. Yeah. Yeah, nice. They, those, are, those are pretty. Um, yeah, I, I like uh, red-winged blackbird. That's a pretty bird. Uh, but the great egrets, there's uh, great egrets at uh, Brushy Creek Park in Round Rock. And there's a particular tree, and there's, sometimes you can find them, there's like 20, 30 of them. They're huge, white birds, and there's like 30 of them in the tree. They nest up in that tree, and they're really pretty to watch uh, fly across the water. Uh, okay, yeah, so every bird, every, every um, creature of the sea is created on day five. Then we are told that God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters and the seas and let the birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. Now here we are told that God blessed these creatures. So God blesses them by speaking to them. God blessed them saying. So he creates them and then he speaks to them. 
And so here we see there is somewhat of a differentiation between the animals, the living creatures that are created here for the seas and for the sky, and the plants that were created on day three. There's a differentiation there. Now, if you think about it, there is a living quality to plants. Right? We, we speak this way, right? Like my plant died the other day, or you know, a dead plant or a dead tree doesn't produce uh, fruit. So we talk about plants you know, having a kind of life, they live and die. But God does not bless the plants like this, like he does the creatures. And so uh, Gerhardus Voss was a Reformed uh, scholar who taught at Princeton for many years. He says this, the animals are spoken to while the plants are spoken of. And so there's a somewhat of a difference between them. Animals uh, like this have a kind of soulish quality to them. They are called living creatures in, this, in these verses. They are living uh, creatures, whereas you know, the plants were just, God just caused them to sprout up out of the ground. Plants are not given that title necessarily. And so animals have a kind, if you think about it, animals have a kind of personality, if you will, that is unlike what is seen in plants. And that personality, if you want to call it that, comes from what happens here. That God bless them. He speaks to them. He gives them a living quality that's, that's not quite seen in plants. And so on day five, we begin to ascend higher in terms of grades of being. Inanimate matter is brought into existence out of nothing. God creates uh, the heavens and the earth. He brings space and earth and water into existence um, out, of, out of nothing by his word. And then we see plants come up out of the ground, and now we're beginning to see a, a, a type of higher form of, of being in these animals that fill the sky and uh, the waters. All of these things come into existence, though, by the power of God's word, and they are sustained by his word. Now, God says uh, to these creatures, be fruitful and multiply. And so in one sense... Um, this happened immediately. They were immediately brought into existence in the waters and the sky. Swarms of fish, flocks of birds immediately uh, were formed. Uh, but also, God also lays down here on day five the principle by which the birds and the fish would multiply, right? That is to say, uh, you know, the male and female pairs coming together to produce offspring. That's how they multiply. And that continues to happen in birds and in fish uh, every single day, every week, because of God's word. Be fruitful uh, and multiply. Uh, consider also the free-flowing movement seen in these creatures, the creatures of the air and the creatures of the water. Now, these creatures are different somewhat uh, than those that are bound to the ground, like uh, cattle and the other animals that will be made on the next day, on day six, and man even. Um, the movement of the birds and the fish corresponds somewhat to their relative places of habitation. So you have the free-flowing movement of water, thus the fish are free-flowing, they swarm through the water. Also, uh, the, the heavens, the air, the, um, the sky is free-flowing, and so the birds freely fly uh, through, the, through the air. Um, one more thing here, and I'll pause. We would do well to appreciate here 
uh, that the creatures made on this day are interrelated with what had already been created. So we need to keep in, keep in our minds the fact that God does these things step by step, and yet none of them are completely divided from one another. They are all interrelated and all depend upon one another in some way in creation. Uh, and also for the things that he would create on day six. The same holds true for that. Many fish find shelter and food among the underwater plants that were created earlier. And the seaweed that was created on uh, day three. These plants grow from the earth. Now some of that earth might be underwater, but there's still plants that grow from it. And the fish find shelter in there. They, they find, some of them find food in there. Uh, the birds of the heavens feed on various kinds of fish of the water. And they, the birds also make their nests among the trees of uh, day, day three. And so there's a bond that is in existence here between all the things of creation. But that bond, that unifying principle, is not some blind evolutionary force. And that's what evolutionists would claim. Um, that there's some blind force hidden underneath all of these things. It's moving things along. Um, and that's how we've come to what we see uh, today. But there's no such thing. Uh, if you dig deep into the claims of evolution, you'll, you'll find that uh, much of it is, is, is quite preposterous. It's, it's very difficult to, to swallow. Um, we talked about the different views on the creation days, but... Across the board, of what I've found, at least from what I've read, all orthodox theologians reject evolution wholesale. And so uh, that is one thing that we can, we can affirm from, from, um, uh, from Scripture. Um, the unifying principle is not an evolutionary force. The unifying principle among all these things, the reasons why they are all interrelated still is because of the word of God, because of the power of his word. That is the spirit of God working by his word is what unifies, um, uh, unifies all things. Father, Son, and Spirit creates, created all things and sustained sustain them. Um, I'll stop there for a minute. Any, any uh, comments or questions on any of this so far? Yes, Shara. Good question. Okay. So the question is, did God create one pair of each type of uh, fish, one pair of each type of bird here, um, and then cause them to multiply on day five? And then does that have a significance for what we see, uh, for example, in, uh, in the event of Noah's Ark, when uh, every pair of animal was uh, put into the ark uh, to sustain? to preserve that particular kind of animal. Um, it doesn't seem, one reformed theologian uh, put forward the notion that it, it doesn't seem to indicate that that's the way in which he created these fish and birds on this day. It seems to, uh, it seems to indicate that immediately large 
quantities of birds and fish exploded onto the scene. Let the waters swarm with fish and let the skies be filled with uh, birds, flying creatures that fly all around. And so it seems to indicate that on day five, uh, you have just a large quantity, or at least a significant quantity of uh, fish and birds that, ex- that fill the sky and the sea. Um, uh, but it's not, I guess, entirely clear that that's exactly what happened, right? Um, but that it, we do see that that is how they propagate now, um, by male and female pairs coming together. Um, the significance of Noah's Ark, um, you know, I'm not sure. I think Noah's Ark, um, uh, the fact that they were collected in, in pairs, uh, just takes us back to the beginning. And it, it just shows us that God is both preserving the way in which fish and, and birds and other animals multiply by the pairs, but he's also doing something new, right? So the flood is something like a new creation. Um, and so, you know, God could have easily told Noah, you know, leave the, leave the creatures alone. I'll just create you know, new ones. I'll start back over. But he doesn't, he doesn't do that. He preserves what he began in, in week one. Does that make sense, Shara? Yeah, okay. Um, yeah. Uno, I see you cooking over there. You good? Okay. All right. (laughs) Okay. Good question. Um, All right. Uh, We should not forget here that these uh, wonderful creatures uh, that were created here, they were created by the Father through his word, the Son of God, and in the power of the Spirit. The Spirit is still present here as the one who was hovering like a bird over the abyss. Remember back on day one? The spirit is depicted as hovering. It's, it's, uh, it's an image of, we talked about this, of a, of a mother bird uh, stretching her wing out over her young ones or her eggs uh, to help them, to help them uh, grow. Um, but the spirit is still present here. The spirit is at work bringing these things, father, son, and spirit at work, bringing these wonderful creatures into existence. Day one, the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters And then Psalm 104 again, when you send forth your spirit, they are created. The psalmist was talking about the created animals in in the world. He's speaking to God, praising him. He says, when you send forth your spirit, they are created. And so the spirit of God is very much at work Um, in in week one and throughout the rest of history, uh, sustaining and creating uh, creatures. Uh, over and over again. Now it's interesting to think about the fact that God in his wisdom chose also to use the dove, the flying creature that was made here, to use the dove as the form in which the spirit was seen at Jesus' baptism. Remember that? Matthew 3, when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water and behold, the heavens were open to him and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove. And coming to rest on him. It's interesting to think about, is it not? The Spirit, uh, uh, the Lord in his wisdom decides to use a flying creature in the sky to portray what the Spirit does at Jesus' baptism. Um, I want to stop right there too and see 
if you guys had any thoughts on that or any um, comments on that. Jesus' baptism, the fact that any, I don't have anything additional necessarily to say here. I just thought it was interesting to point out. Um, what do you think? I will say this. Um, we've got some time. Uh, I'm almost done. I have one more comment to make. Um, uh, I will say this. We see here that the birds were uh, created to fill the expanse, right? An expanse which was made uh, back on day two to separate the waters from above and the waters uh, below. And what we see is that uh, the birds fill that area, and it seems to be the immediate area above us, the sky, right? Um, now, I think we had some discussion earlier about um, you know, what is the expanse? Is it not the all of space that goes out into forever, uh, you know, past, past the sun and the moon, however far it goes? Is it just the immediate atmosphere above us? Um, well, we, we do see that the sun and the moon were placed in the expanse, so it's, it's got to include at least, you know, the space in which the sun, the moon, and the stars uh, reside. But it also... Um, includes the immediate sky above us where the birds are because the, God's word tells us here the birds are put into the expanse which is called the heavens. And so, um, you know, when you go outside and you're looking at the world and creation and when you, you look up, you, I, I, don't think it's, um, I don't think it's a problem to refer to the immediate sky above us as the heavens but then also to understand that the heavens can stretch on past what we can see, too, right? Um, one Reformed theologian, Francis Turretin, uh, who wrote in the 1600s, about one generation after Calvin, uh, he comments on the week of creation. He, he believes uh, that these are normal days. Um, he rejected the idea of Augustine that said that the world came into existence all at once. Um, and so he, he referred to these as normal days, although extraordinary, happened, extraordinary things happened on these days. Um, but he thinks that when God created the heavens and the earth, that is when he made space, right? Space and earth, all, every, all of space. And then he puts light into that darkness, and then, um, and then he creates this expanse, a division between the waters to bring the earth out. So that's one way to look at it. Um, uh, why do I mention that? I think just because the expanse is mentioned again here when the birds are created. The, the birds fill the expanse of the heavens. Does that make sense? Everybody following there? Okay, yeah. All right. I like that. I, I, I kind of liked uh, Turretin's... Um, I went back and studied some more. I, I like Turretin's take, take on it. Um, on the expanse and the, those things. There's, there's other ways to get at this. Um, you know, we, we can't solve all the interpretive issues, I don't think, which is why we have various interpretations on some of these things. Nevertheless, uh, God in his wisdom created um, all of these wonderful creatures for uh, his glory and for our good and for our delight. And so it didn't take long for you guys to come up with some of your favorite birds. Uh, and so, uh, you know, as much as creatures help us and serve us, and that, 
in lots of different ways, um, there is a sense in which they are a delight to us as well, right? Um, they're for our enjoyment. Um, my wife and I were walking the other day, and this giant hawk was just literally right next to us. It was right next to us in the in the in the in the trees, and you know, that was that was fun. <laughs> that was fun to see. And so there is something that we can delight in and to praise God for. All right, I'm almost done. This is going to be an easy day. Uh, We could also think of the way in which Jesus raised from the dead. You think about these creatures. He caused 153 large fish to swim into the nets of his disciples who had previously caught nothing. They did not have one fish. Jesus shows up. He's raised from the dead. And what does he do? He fills their their nets with 153 of these fish, which he created on on day five. And so uh, Jesus, we are reminded here, we are reminded there uh, in Jesus' ministry that Jesus has full dominion over all things, including the fish of the sea and the birds of the air. This is our Savior. This is the Lord that we serve and the Lord that we trust in. He created all these things, he controls them, he sustains them, and thus we can rest. We can rest in uh, Christ's almighty power. That's also something uh, I think we can learn from creation or be reminded of in creation uh, that God is at work still. He's sovereign over all things and we can rest in his sovereign sovereign power. Yes, Uno, I think you have a question. Yes, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> those are good questions. Okay, uh, so two questions. One is um, uh, one is uh, the question is why? Why did God? wait until day six to create the animals of day six? Is that your question? Instead of creating them on this day, right? Okay, good question. Um, I think an answer to that, uh, based on scripture and based on, you know, what we see uh, just in everyday life, um, is that the animals that are created on day six, uh, at least some of them, uh, are more closely associated with the activity of man on earth, right? So, um, you think about a man using an ox to you know, plow a, uh, the fields, uh, cattle, you know, for, um, for food and uh, for other resources. Uh, I think possibly they're more closely associated with, with the activity of man and his activity on, on earth. Um, we can't breathe in the sky, right? We don't live there. <laughs> uh, they, we send astronauts up into the, into the heavens, but we can't breathe there. They need oxygen or they'll die. Same goes for the, the waters. Um, we're fit for earth. And so the animals that are created on day six seem to correspond more closely with what we do. We'll talk about that more next time, hopefully. Do what? Yeah, 
good, yeah, good point. So correspond, they correspond more closely with our physical activity, right? Um, that's a good point. We'll talk about that uh, next week. We'll, we're going to spend a, a more than one Sunday on, on day six. Um, now, the last question is about Revelation. There's a new heavens and a new earth in Revelation. There's no more sun, no more moon, because the light of God's glory gives us light. Is there a sea? Are there waters? Uh, well, there is a verse in Revelation that says the sea was no more. Right? So he sees a vision of the new heavens and the new earth, and there are no more, uh, at least one sea, there's no more existence of, of the sea. I'm not sure, though, if that means all bodies of water will be non-existent. Um, yeah, there's a river of life. That good, good point. There's a river of life there. Um, you know, more could be said about that, those passages in Revelation. Um, we don't want to force a, too much of a literal interpretation of what is said there. Uh, but some of those do represent realities um, that we can look forward to. The sea in Scripture is depicted, um, at least after the fall, it's depicted as a place of chaos, a place in which, uh, you know, this is, a, a, you know, dragons and sea monsters come out of the sea in Revelation, and they're, they're not good, right? So it's a place of, it's looked at as a place of chaos in, in the sin, sin-condemned world. And so I think that's something of, there's something there of what was happening with that comment, the sea is no more. There, there won't be any more chaos. There won't be any more violence from wicked nations or from heretical uh, churches, heretical false teachers, things like that. Um, yeah, good question. Anything else? Well, let's pray. Oh, I'm sorry, Savior. Go ahead. Go ahead. You're good. Yeah. Yeah. Sure, okay. Yeah, great question. So the, uh, Xavier's question is, uh, we don't, how do we account for some of the claims of evolution that, that say that there's adaption, a- adaptation within species? Um, you also mentioned the fact that evolutionists claim, or there's claims from scientists that there's, you know, multiple types of beetles, for example, right? Um, well, the first, the first question is, um, uh, I, don't think, I don't think we need to discount adaptation within species. Um, I mean, you think, I mean, it's, it's pretty clear that there is some differences within dogs, <laughs> within birds, um, depending upon which mate they end up with. Um, certainly there's going to be differences there and there can be improvements or maybe some malformities within species. Um, but at the end of the day, those come as a result of God's word. Every single bird, every single fish, every single animal, every single difference that's ever seen in any animal is, comes as a result of God's creative power, his word. He determines them. Now, um, we can 
obviously, um, you know, man can do all sorts of things that create distortions and really cause problems. I mean, you can, you can force two kinds of animals uh, to come together and make an offspring, but that's unnatural, right? It that's actually brings disorder into the world. Um, and so, at the end of the day, God's word determines what we see in creation. As to the different species, I do think we need to recognize that the, 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 the labeling of different types of animals, like the Latin labeling that you, you typically see, you have one, one Latin word up front, one at the back, that's relatively new. The father of uh, labeling species was actually um, uh, one of the fathers, a man named, I think his name Lemaeus or something, but he, he did his work in the late 1800s. And so I think some of that also, I think we need to be skeptical of. The way in which scientists, unbelieving scientists say, well, there's you know, 42 million types of beetles. Uh, well, okay, but what, maybe they're just all beetles, you know, and they're just different. Maybe, what about that? Is that a possibility? I, I think it is. Uh, we don't want to obviously discount everything that they say, but we do need to understand, and we'll talk about this next time, naming creatures is a prerogative given to man created in the image of God, right? And so that can be perverted as well. Uh, so the, uh, I do think we need to hold, hold, keep that in mind. Great question. Yeah. <laughs> I got to get my sleep on Saturday nights, man, for these, <laughs> these lessons. <laughs> so yeah, well, yeah, Unha, one more question and we'll stop. Sure, that's a good question, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's save that for ne next week, okay? We can talk about that some more. So the question was, that's a great question, huh? Was it possible that Adam can name all the creatures in the, in the span of 24 hours? Um, you know, is, is, that, is that possible? If this is a normal day, he would have had to have done that. It's a lot of work for one day, right? Um, that's a good question. Let's, let's hold that until next week. Let's pray together, y'all. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for... Um, the glory and the power and the wisdom that is so abundantly and clearly seen to us in all of creation. Uh, we do pray, Father, that you would help us as Christians as we enjoy your created things, as we enjoy this world that you've placed us in, that we would, uh, we would have the mind of Christ and that we would see all things as in accordance with what your word tells us, that uh, all things were created through the word and by the word and for his glory. And so uh, we do pray that you would help us to see these things, help us to understand the truth of scripture and to understand, um, most importantly, the significance of the death of Jesus Christ in history, um, who came to this earth, who walked this earth, who walked among the creatures of this world and was crucified for our sakes. And so we pray, uh, Father, that you would do this good work in your people and prepare our hearts for worship. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you all.